your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Bowers awaits the shotgun snap, sends the tight end in motion. They roll right. Bowers throws pass. It's not going to Eli Sullivan knocks the football away, and the Huskers have a goal line stand taking over the one. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are. We're back. Another week of Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a good weekend. Summer moving right along. We're into the middle part of July. How about that? Well, I take a day off on Thursday, and you get to have all the fun, Ben. I mean, all heck breaks loose. I take off. I mean, the Big Ten comes out with a big statement, conference-only football games. I mean, we've been kind of waiting for some news. I guess it just takes me departing the scene for a a day or so. I had had – I sent Josh an outline of kind of what I wanted to talk about, I think at like 1030 – and by 3 o'clock, I said, all right, just scrap it. We just get rid of it. <laughs> We're just starting over. <laughs> um, and one of the things on my list was I, it, it, the last show that I hosted. Let's see if I still got it up here. The last show I had hosted before that one by myself was uh, March 18th. And... I, so I had my old outline up there of everything that we had talked about on March 18th and how much had changed in the world of coronavirus, what we know, what was important, what was newsworthy. It, it was it seemed like almost a year ago, but it was weird because it was the same subject. It was the weirdest feeling. And so I had this whole plan of kind of do like a status report or an update of all that's happened since the last time that I had hosted a show and instead, all that was just kind of scrapped out the window and you way to talk about things that actually mattered, um, which was the Big Ten. But, yeah, it was it was really weird, you know, going through the old the old sheet that I did and then the new sheet that I did just um, where we are at just as a sports world, as a society from just March 18th to nearly a few months later on the on the button to what are we, July 13th today. So it was crazy. Well, that was that happened on Thursday. Friday, we had a best-of game, so we really haven't had a chance to really react too much to this. Since the Big Ten came out with it, they got criticized. I mean, other conferences around the country like, what's the rush? What, what? That they said they had a call with Kevin Warren earlier in the day. He didn't reveal anything was coming down the pike that afternoon. Um, you know, But then the Pac-12 quickly jumped on board the next day and said they were doing the same thing. The other three leagues, the Big 12 – the ACC, the SEC are going to wait. They're going to wait a few more weeks into to late July. Austin just gave you the update with Greg Sankey, the, the commissioner of the SEC, that he is going to wait, but he's concerned about the recent upticks in cases down in SEC region. I, I, I was surprised, too, that they came out with it. I wasn't shocked because we'd had the report the day before from Tom Deanhart from the Rivals Purdue site that this was this was imminent, that they were going to go to a 10-game conference schedule. Now, they haven't solidified that number yet. I think that's the lean is to 10. Bill Moose has since said he'd like to go to 12, which I don't know that any Big, 12, any Big 10 coach Ben wants to go along with that. So they haven't really settled on the number. But I do think the logic is there that to really control it and then have flexibility within your league you need to play just conference only here if you're going to try to get some football in in the fall. I get the logic. 
Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, it makes a lot of sense on, on a couple of different fronts. Number one, you don't have to worry about the, and I, and I, I hate, it's the only word that I can come up with it. And I don't even know what's the right one is cross contamination, right? You don't have to worry about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who you're playing a team from the ACC who the two previous games before that played a team in, in, in the, Colonial and then the American. So now you, you, you've dealt with four different parts of the country, four different conferences. Here you can keep it all controlled. You can keep it all, you know, in-house. You can, everybody falls under the same umbrella of rules and protocols. You're not, you're not under a large umbrella of the whole NCAA uh, who's in a tough spot because of different parts of the country. I think it just makes a lot of sense to, to isolate yourself as much as possible, not just with the COVID, in the COVID sense, but in a rules sense, in a conference sense, traveling, logistics, all of that kind of falls under that too. And the other thing that it does, Greg, is allows total flexibility in your scheduling. Instead of um, – you know, having to, to wait and hear back from a particular school or even a particular conference. Let's let's just use Nebraska's schedule, for example, uh, to have to hear, wait back and from South Dakota State, who you know would, in this case would probably want to play, um, you know, at, by any means necessary. But so you got to get a hold of uh, South Dakota State, the conference that they play in. Then you got to get a hold of the American Athletic Conference with Cincinnati and find out, okay, is this something that you guys want to do? Uh, you could have conferences that are uh, very prompt in their reply to you, or you could have run into issues where conferences aren't very timely in their response or don't give you clear answers. You know, if if we're trying to reach out to one conference to say, hey, you know, are you guys still down to play us? They could reply within an hour and say, yep, we're in. But, you know, in your next opponent, you could say, okay, are you guys still willing to come to Lincoln? Well, we'll see. We'll get back to you in another week. We still haven't decided yet. We'll get back to you. We're still assessing things. Well, we just had this test come out, so we're going to wait another week. You know, you could have a prolonged situation based on what school you're talking to, what conference they play in. You eliminate all that by having everybody under that one umbrella. And I'm throwing a lot of hypotheticals out right now, but that's basically all we have to go off of, of, Mm -hmm. of what this thing could look like. So... You know, being able to control as much as possible is big. Um, you know, the, now the Big Ten, geographically, you've got Nebraska on the west side and then all the way on the east side you've got, you know, Rutgers and Maryland. But that's what your divisions are for. You know, you can do your best to, um, you know, say, okay, okay no Nebraska is supposed to play Rutgers, but, you know, are we really worried about them traveling this much? Th- these are all the questions that you can answer as a conference and make your decisions and, and not have all that um, – outside factors coming into scheduling who's available uh is it fair all that stuff is just thrown out the window and concentrated within the big 10 which i think is smart i I gotta think the tv partners are thrilled with this now yeah they're not gonna probably get a full 12 game schedule but they're gonna have conference matchups every week so they don't have to worry about televising illinois illinois state which doesn't have a lot of sexy appeal outside of a certain region same thing with nebraska south dakota state they're going to get conference matchups every time there's a big 10 team stepping on the field it's going to be a conference matchup i got to think the tv partners who foot a lot of the bill of this thing uh, are going to be happy with this all right i want to get into another quick topic here in, in our lead of the segment of the hour and that is that today july 13th 
the, the football calendar turned over a little bit today. Today was the first day that coaches could start having interaction with their team up to eight hours a week. Now, six of those eight hours have to be in the weight room. And we saw some examples already today of Zach Duvall getting his eyes on some guys because they were quick to put out some videos today, some of them pretty darn impressive, I might add. Uh, so you saw that happening. But now coaches, just they can go above and beyond the Zoom. They can actually physically be in the same room with their position players and start to talk terminology, start to work on the mental aspects of the game. That's gonna, That started today. The, the eight-hour clock for the week starts today. Then on the 24th, which is a week from Friday, Friday, then it goes up to 20 hours of week that the coaches can spend with these players. Kind of a mini camp in a way, leading up to August 7th, which is right now the first day of what would be fall camp going on. So today, Ben, a different phase of the football calendar went into effect. And let's go back to those videos. Saw a couple of them today. Saw one of Cam Jurgens uh, doing some pretty impressive work on a, on a machine in the weight room. And then maybe the most impressive thing was Will Scott, the uh, – and that's all right. Marvin Scott, the young linebacker, freshman running back from Florida. This guy looked like he's a grown man. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, whenever I'm on the beach, I'm like, uh, yeah, I probably better just keep my shirt on. You know, uh, you know no one needs – no one extra needs to see, you know, what I have How under buff the shirt. you are. Yeah. Uh, but Marvin Scott has a free pass to not wear a shirt wherever he would like. Uh, to show to show that um, man bod off. I mean, good grief! I mean, I think his muscles had muscles. Like, <laughs> you, you saw the video, and you're like, he looks like a professional bodybuilder, you know. And it, look, I don't know if this translates into him be, winning a Doak Walker Award, or you know, him guaranteed because he looks like this, he's going to rush for a thousand yards of freshman season. I'm just saying, uh, you're not worried about that 10 pounds that he's trying to pick up in the weight room or is it is, is this kid going to be ready when we put pads on him to go handle handle himself uh in the fall with some upperclassmen and juniors and seniors that's a dude that probably doesn't even need pads you know give him a helmet and let him run out there he'll be just <laughs> fine i i mean I, I was telling you i i haven't seen a freshman look that impressive and developed physically since probably Amani cross but even Amani wasn't put together quite like that. I mean, Amani was lifting weights when he was in middle school. Uh, this kid looks like he started lifting in, like, the fifth grade. And I know that got a lot of attention today on Twitter, as it should. Uh, kind of kind of blew some people away. And, and I think it's funny because, you know, I, there are a lot of people out there that are kicking and screaming that we're saying this about another freshman. Here we are blowing another kid up, saying he's just going to be the best ever. <laughs> It's not doesn't mean he's translating into a great football player. I'm just saying, go look at the video and it, it will speak for itself. The, I mean, the kid is just a brick house, and that was pretty exciting watching that today. Yeah, he, he is very impressive, and he was a competitive weightlifter in high school, so he's done a lot of this. But man, I didn't know it was to that extent. This is a great lead-in for us to tell you that we tomorrow night begin our position breakdowns. 
and we're going to start with the running back positions tomorrow night. So Ryan Held's going to join us here on Sports Sunday. We're certainly going to ask him about Marvin Scott uh, as as part of the group now that he has in his position group room. So over the next five weeks on Tuesdays, Thursdays, we're going to break down a position on this Husker football team. It all begins tomorrow night for us, again, with the running backs room, and Ryan Held will join us as well. Great to see that because up until today, these were voluntary workouts. And, and the, the Zach Duvalls, those guys, they could be in their offices, but they couldn't be out working with the athlete directly. It still had to be done by the student-athletes themselves. They had to be kind of coaching themselves, helping each other out a little bit. Today, the actual coaching weight and strength and conditioning staff could get in there and start working with the guys, and they put up a pretty couple of pretty impressive videos uh, for that. Also, on some um, some sour news, and the, the reason I had the name Will in my head when I was trying to say Marvin Scott is there are several reports out there now that, that Will Nixon, the incoming freshman wide receiver whose uh, dad was on the Bader football coaching staff a year ago, has torn his ACL and he will be out this year. Uh, he's put that apparently he's put that out on some of his social media sites that he's had surgery already went well. That's that's disappointing and heartbreaking, I'm sure for the young guy Ben. But obviously, you know maybe he maybe he would have played some, maybe he wouldn't. But now that decision's been made for Will Nixon out with a torn ACL. You hate hearing about those injuries that aren't occurring. When the, you know, they're actually on a practice field or during a game, you hate having you hate losing guys when you're not in a football activity uh, that directly relates to the upcoming season. But two two tough news for Will Nixon. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and, and the other thing too about ACLs is it's amazing what a torn ACL means now compared to even where it was when I started working at the network ten years ago. You know, an ACL even ten years ago was it was a full calendar year. It was you know, very strict timetable, and it was uh, it was a big deal tearing an ACL. Now, ACLs are they're still a significant injury. I mean, it's it's a big time injury, but uh, there are so many of them that happen that I have full confidence that Will Nixon is going to be just as good um, after the surgery, post surgery. There's none of that concern as if he's going to get you know that full range, full stability back in his knee. So. Um, it's it's something that happens when you're a great athlete. You use that much force and torque on your legs and your training and you're jumping and you're doing all that. It's It, it happens. It happens to a lot of guys. But uh, the good news is ACL surgery has advanced uh, significantly, and, and you're seeing those procedures done a lot, and you're seeing athletes bounce back from those uh, rather quickly. And, you know, I'd be shocked by, you know, even by the end of the season if, if he's not you know, on his legs doing something. Obviously, he's not going to be in pads or contact or anything like that, but his rehab process will be will be pretty far in advance by the time the season's over. Now to welcome on board the program, Sam McEwen of the Omaha World Herald. You can also read Sam's work at Omaha.com. Sam, appreciate you spending some time with us. Hope you've had a chance to enjoy some of the, some of the summertime fun. Yeah, so I just came off uh, a vacation. That was good. Uh, went to Mount Rushmore with the family. That was better than I expected. It was a lot of fun uh, to go up there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I'm doing well relative to the situation. I think everybody's still trying to be, you know, vigilant about the, the pandemic, and there's just a lot going on. Um, still working from home, trying to navigate that with the kids. They're anxious to go back to school. Hopefully we're able to do that. So, um, yeah, it's been, you know, it's been a, a four or five month period that I'm not sure I'll forget, um, but we're doing okay. 
Good. Well, you, you've had some interesting stuff in the, the, la- in the last couple of days online and in the paper. Ooh. First, let's just start with the Big Ten's announcement late last week. Did that surprise you that they came out with that? I think it surprised some people around college football that they came out with that kind of a statement this, this early in the month. Yeah, you know, it would have surprised me, I think, a little more if I hadn't talked to, to Scott Frost, oh, 10 days prior, because he kind of said, yeah, they're talking about that. That's something – that they've kicked around. Um, I'd heard rumblings uh, as long as a month ago that the Big Ten was looking at a double round robin of division games, uh, which would be tough. But, you know, that they were looking at that for a long time. Um, I think the Big Ten, um, I was a little surprised it happened that soon. I thought it would it would wait a couple weeks because, you know, I don't really think the Big Ten schools want to give up those, those smaller games, in part because they're home games, in part because they know what it's like to be on the other side of that equation and be an athletic director at a small school. But, um, you know, the Big Ten came out with its decision. The Pac-12 followed closely. Uh, now we got those three leagues out there, Big 12, SEC, ACC, that are probably going to wait a week or two. Um, certainly in SEC country, I, I think it would be premature for anyone in the SEC to announce anything based on what's going on down there. So, um, yeah, it was a little surprising that it came this early, but I, I think it was trending in that direction for a while. And um, won't be easy. Big Ten football's tough, but uh, and there's a lot of hurdles to, to clear before we even get to the season. I, I, I still think it's, you know, it, it's kind of a coin flip right now, as Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren pointed out, and some others have to. You did a deep dive in one of your pieces over the weekend into how the re how the Big Ten footprint looks as it fights the virus. What did you find out? Right. Well, you know, it's better than a lot of places. And so the stories that you hear right now on the national news are Texas, Florida, California, Arizona. Those are three, you know, four places that are getting hit really hard. Uh, ACC, SEC country. Um, the Big Ten is not being hit as hard. The state probably most concerning in that list is Ohio. Uh, it, there has been a, there's been a, a rise in cases. Um, now there's been a rise of cases in a lot of states, but, but you're looking for rapid rise and there has been a little bit in Ohio. Um, you see, I think there's been a little bit of a spike in Wisconsin. Illinois went through some really horrible stuff at the beginning of this. So it's gone way down. The same is true of Michigan. Um, Michigan suffered a lot on the front end. Um, and it's kind of gone way down from there. Um, so, you know, I think those are the states to watch. Michigan, Illinois, Ohio, Pennsylvania. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit better on the, on the western side of the league. Of course, Maryland is a state to watch. New Jersey is, is honestly the least affected state at this point because things in New Jersey were so awful in March and April that, you know, A, I think they, they shut down the, the state. B, it's it's probable and likely that way more people got the virus back then than were ever counted. Because at the outset of the pandemic, it, you didn't get a test unless you went to the hospital or you were really sick. And there were a lot of people, you know, uh, I remember talking to, you know, friends. They're like, I feel like, I feel horrible, but they're telling me don't go to the hospital and get a test. Like, uh, don't go. You know, I, if you got the flu and you're not going to die and you still feel like you can breathe, stay at home. Um, so there's probably, who knows, a half a million people that got the, the virus out there, and they just didn't know it. 
Um, and so I think New Jersey's probably in a little bit better position because I like a lot of those folks have already kind of cycled through it. But um, Ohio's, I think, the state that's concerning. And their, their athletic director was very concerned last week, and I think that's one to, one to watch. What do you think the number what's, – what's, what's going to be the number of games? Bill Moose says he'd like to go to 12. We've heard reports of 10. What do you think the magic number is going to end up being? I've heard 10. I think 10 is a, is a number because you can build in by weeks and you can move those numbers around a little bit more easily. Bill, I think, I think Bill Moose has a good point when he says, let's schedule 12 with, with, with the likelihood that we're probably only going to get, like, I think what he's essentially saying is schedule 12 and expect to play nine, eight, nine, ten. but schedule those games, put them on the calendar so that if you got to cancel something, it's not a division game. If you go to 10 games, you know, what Moose wants to do is protect those games in the middle of the schedule, which means if you go to 10, you're putting two East games on the front and two on the back, and you're, you're starting your uh, divisional play uh, September 19th, something like that. And so, um, you know, if you go to the 12-game model, then what you're doing is, is you're putting – Boy, I'm going to uh, three on the front and three on the back, and you're starting your divisional play September 26th. So I think he's more keen on making sure that, like, from September 26th all the way to early November or late October, you just kind of play every game every week, and you kind of plow through those, and you would protect those six games, and then you'd have some area to fudge on both sides. At the end of the day, I suspect only 10 games are going to get played, no matter which way you do it. Um, so I'm going to say 10, uh, but I understand where Moose is coming from, and he's kind of got an interesting way of looking at it. If you, you schedule 12, then if you don't play them all, you play 10. If you schedule 10, you might only play eight, that kind of thing. So I get it, and uh, but I'm going to say 10 are all, are, are all that's going to be played. Boy, coaches, that has to make coaches nervous, Sam. I mean, it was they were twisting arms to get him to go to nine. Now to play ten in a year? Holy cow! This is—I'm uh, sure there are a lot of nervous coaches around the, the Big Ten. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, this is—you know—this is what, um, and the, the the schools are going to be the most nervous are schools like Indiana, um, Maryland. I mean, this is this is brutal to them. I mean, they they, they lost the three non-conference games they could play. I think Indiana's fifteen and one. 15-1 and one in the last five years in non-conference games, that's what got them to the bowl games. Well, now, I mean, Indiana's staring down the barrel of 3-7 you know, and seven or 2-8, and eight, and it just looks different. Um, but, yeah, it, it, no question coaches are going to be, um, you know, if it's 10 games, the way you look at it is, and Moose put the point of this out, he's like, well, you know, Washington and Oregon, we're going to play Michigan and Ohio State. And, well, those teams are just as good as a Big Ten team, and that's true. Um, Nebraska's hardest opponent was Cincinnati. Uh, for what it's worth, I, I don't think Cincinnati um, is probably as quite as good or as a physical a test as a lot of Big Ten programs. But let's say, for argument's sake, that Cincinnati is replaced by a home game with either Indiana or Maryland. I think Cincinnati's probably better than those two teams, I would say mm-hmm. that. Uh, so it kind of depends on who that extra game is. If that extra game is, is uh, Michigan – or even Michigan State, which they may not be a great team, but they're tough and they take a lot out of you. Um, then that's going to be that's going to be harder. Um, if it's a Maryland, I think Nebraska would play Maryland. 
Uh, and, and I think it's a good chance it could be Maryland. I don't think it's going to be Michigan. Um, Mer- Michigan State, Maryland, Indiana. I think those are probably the schools you're looking at because they're already playing Ohio State and Penn State. So uh, I don't think Michigan's getting added to their added to the docket. Again, visiting with Sam McEwen of the Omaha World Herald. You can read his work online at omaha.com. You also just put up a piece here in the last couple of hours about that today was a, another day for the football calendar. What? Explain that to the folks. Uh, yes. So July 13th is what you might call the beginning of phase two. Uh, <laughs> I know there's phases, right? So phase one was voluntary workout really for as long as you got your kids back. So for Nebraska, that was like early June until now. Phase two is, man, they're sort of mandatory, right? You can do six hours of mandatory workouts, which essentially boils down to an hour each weekday or something like that. And then you get two hours of film study, um, you know, that that you kind of can throw in there, and that's eight hours. You do that through the 23rd, and then starting on the 24th, you get a mini camp structure which is new like this. They've never really had this. And I think coaches may come to like it. Um, you, you, you'll have a July 24th through August 6th, 20 hours a week. Um, six of which can be spent kind of practicing football, but not with any pads on or a helmet. You can use a ball. Then six hours, I think is film study. And then eight hours of strength and conditioning. This is a mini camp structure. And I actually think in the long run, coaches might kind of like it uh, because I think it'll give them a chance to do the mental work with their players. That doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, I, I think it's like four or five days into training camp, you have the, uh, you know, the pads go on and you start, you know, you start pat, you know, you start pounding each other. This would be more of a structure where maybe you brought in your top 105 guys and you just kind of learn. And you just, you know, you just did the mental part of the game. You installed your offense. You installed your defense. You did some film work. And then once, and then when you hit August 7th, you can kind of ramp into that, that hard-hitting part, and you're not having to do a lot of review. Um, so this is phase two. The minicamp's phase three. August 7th is essentially preseason. And uh, by then, I think we will either know what the Big Ten schedule is or we'll kind of know if this can be done at all. Like, cause I think there's a, you know, we're going to know a lot more in the next three, four weeks about the progress of the pandemic. And of course I feel strongly uh, that there should be a college football season at the same time. Uh, I'm not the one making the call and I, and the coaches and the players aren't really either. I think if you left it up to the coaches and the players, Scott's already said it, the players want to play at the end of the day, it's not really going to be up to that, that group of folks um, it's going to be up to the athletic directors, university presidents, conference commissioners, and in some cases, um, governors and public health people. I mean, in the state of California, I don't think it's looking good to play college football right now. Uh, they just closed everything back up. So, um, you know, in Nebraska, we're doing well, but in other states, it's not going that well. Yeah. Do you think spring is, is, is in play at all? And what would the positives or negatives of that be in your eyes? There's a ton of negatives, Greg. Um, I do think it's possibly in play because you're talking about tens of millions of dollars being lost. And I, pe- people don't like hearing about the money, but we need to be honest. 
about the fact that you're talking about over the course of an entire nation, thousands of jobs, tens of thousands of scholarships. I mean, sports will get cut. They'll get gutted to the bone um, if you don't have a college football season, right? And I don't think TV networks are just going to be paying that money out as charity. So, you know, I think you're going to see if they can't do it this fall, they're going to try to do it this spring. There are so many negatives attached to it. The first negative that's attached to it is when do you play? If spring means January 22nd, which I don't really think it means, then I don't know how you're going to be in a better place with, the vac- with, with a vaccine or the pandemic. If it means actual spring, so like March 25th, if it means March 25th, then you're basically saying the season is going to start on March 25th and it's going to go through May, late May, June, and then how do you play a 2021 season? It's just so hard. Um, So the junior college football season, for example, is starting on March 25th. They just announced that today. And so their national championship game is on June 3rd. And that's, they're only playing eight regular season games. And so if you try to play a full college football schedule, which, again, they're not going to do because they already canceled the games, the non-conference games, um, I just don't know how you do it. Uh, it would be very hard. It would be very rigorous physically. You then have to consider pushing back the 2021 season. Um, there's so many complications to it. I think that the major driving engine of that is, well, if we just can't do it in the fall, then we have to at least consider it for the spring because otherwise, um, you know, there's going to be these huge craters in our athletic department. And Nebraska's athletic department is better positioned, arguably, than any athletic department in college football. I mean, any of them, because of the way it takes care of its finances and the money it has in reserve. But even Nebraska would be hurt. And we've already seen Nebraska's athletic department take major cuts. Um, people have lost jobs. Uh, Scott Frost and Fred Hoiberg are taking a voluntary pay cut. Um, there's all these things that have already happened, and that's just because of what happened at the end of last year. Uh, you really worry about this going forward if they can't figure it out. And it's something it's something that we have to um, – it would really help if they could play college football this fall. It really, really would. And hopefully they, hopefully they can. And you know, in the Big Ten, it might be more possible than it is in the Southeast. We'll just have to see. Sam, great stuff as always. Uh, keep up the good work, and let's uh, keep our fingers crossed because I know a lot of Husker fans are certain hoping that they see this this team play here in a, in a couple months. Okay. Well, hey, I'd love to see it happen, and not just because I like covering football. I think it's really important for businesses and for jobs and for people and for the mood of the state. Hopefully it does. We start with Jeff Cole. Hey, good evening, sir. How are you doing? Have you had any fun this summer? How are you, my friend? Good to talk to you. Yeah, we get out to the golf course as much as we possibly can, right? A good social distancing sport, especially for me with, uh, you you know, how I play, Sharpie. We've played a few times in the past. I'm, I'm not really where everyone else is on the course, unfortunately. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty safe, really safe when I'm out there playing golf. That's for sure. How are you? Yeah, you you got to be sure your golf cart's good and gassed up when you get ready to play. Yeah, you know, I, I like to get my hacks in. And, and why wouldn't you see all areas of the course and travel to different yeah. places others have not? That's just part of the experience, right? Sure. I mean, just because you're on like 10 doesn't mean you can't go visit the 12th fairway. 
<laughs> While you're playing tan. I mean, that's just part of it, right? You can just do that stuff. Scrambling man. You just got to find a way to put her in the cup. Sometimes it's not pretty, but that's how it goes. Well, speaking of scrambling, um, the, the announcement late last week with the Big Ten playing conference only and the Pac-12 playing conference only, it affects a lot of programs around the country, including the Bison, who were set to, to open the year against the Oregon Ducks. I'm sure a game, the team, the fans, the coaches, everybody was so jacked to, to go experience that. That's now not a possibility. What, what reaction has these announcements had in Fargo? Yeah, for the first time, Greg, since uh, everything was shut down back in March, um, I I started to get that same feeling in my gut, uh, in the pit of my stomach again, when the Big Ten came out Thursday and the Pac-12 officially Friday and said they were playing conference-only schedules. And I got that same, you know, kind of sick feeling uh, about things going away and, and, you know, I – I wish I had some some positivity here, but gosh, the more and more you get closer and the more that time runs out, you you start to feel that same type of vibe about college football in the fall. And obviously, I hope we play every game and we do it safely and fans can enjoy it as much as possible, as normal as possible. But we haven't been getting much great news, much positive news as of late. And um, here locally and for schools at the FCS and group of five levels, uh, it was a huge blow, a uh, huge hit, you know, especially for a program like North Dakota State, uh, who does not get the opportunity to play games against Power 5 teams very often because, quite frankly, there is zero reward and a ton of risk for those schools to play against against NDSU. They've won six straight games against FBS teams. They're 9-3 and three, uh, since the move from Division Two to Division One. And it's tough. They're, they're tough to get. You don't. It's definitely not the top of the list of ads or, or head coaches uh, around the country. So uh, when Oregon uh, and the Pac-12 made the announcement this last weekend that the, the game was basically off due to the pandemic and conference-only scheduling, uh, it, it stunk for the fans. I feel bad for the players, Greg. None of these guys have really had a chance to play against the Power Five team. And, and the seniors in this class won't have a shot uh, because the next game's not until 2022 versus a Power 5 foe. Uh, not to mention the financial ramifications, obviously. Uh, $650,000 uh, gross check for playing that game, probably about 500 k after expenses and after the trip uh, was over with. That, that's a big hit for, for some of these smaller schools. So, um, you know, we're heading into a situation where we're all, I think, going to use as much time as possible to make the right decisions whether or not football can start on time or happen at all. And it's, it's a big, big deal for, uh, for all uh, departments, regardless of the size of the school. Give me – just put that in perspective, the 650 check that was supposed to come the Bison way to play the Ducks. What, yeah. what is that in percentage to the, the overall athletic budget for NDSU? So the overall operating athletics budget at NDSU is right around $24 million. That's okay. not, I mean, that's not a high number even at the FCS level. I mean, that uh, is one where, you know, you've, we've heard the, the fans talk about moving to the FBS and making that jump and trying to find a home there because of the, the amount of dominance and success NDSU has had at this level. Well, you know, financially it would be really, really hard to do that with that type of a budget. It's just, 
it's difficult to do in the way that student fees are allocated at NDSU. Not a lot of that goes towards athletics. So, um, you know, the, the, the check for 650000 bucks or, or half a million dollars uh, is massive. The other part about it is, is that, as everybody knows, these games aren't on, you know, the, the network channels on ESPN or, or Fox Sports or FS1. And so the TV money is not even – it's not even in the same universe, Sharpie, with, with what Power 5 schools are making. Uh, I believe I saw a report from Dennis Dodd over the weekend that per game, Power 5 institutions are making anywhere between 2 and $5 million a game just off TV revenue. Well, NDSU's total TV deal locally for the entire season is right around $600,000. So uh, every penny counts, and um, and, that, and that's certainly a, a big hit, not being able to play that type of game. And you're seeing it from other programs around the country. MAC schools taking a huge hit. Mountain West schools are taking a big hit by not playing games against the Pac-12. So uh, it stings all across the board. Busy again with Jeff Colhane, former host of this show, now the voice of the Bison of North Dakota State, who found out late last week with the Pac-12's announcement that they were going conference games only that their opener with ndsu has now been called off you have to there's got to be a scramble going on right now jeff i would imagine with all those non-conference opponents from the big 10 and all the non-conference opponents from the pac-12 now looking for games have there been conversations that you're aware of that the bison have been involved in yeah there's been phone calls made already uh, and email sent out there's there's no doubt about it and you know the obvious goal would be to replace a, pa- a power five program with another power five program but i don't know how easy that is in a short turnaround or a short period of time the other item that is also uh, has not been approved yet but i think will the football oversight committee for the ncaa for division one college football has asked if, um, you know, schools in the FBS would be able to be credited with two FCS wins towards their bowl total, towards their their six-win bowl total, which is only, you're only given one. You're only allowed one as of right now. So perhaps that could help, depending on if schools are able to fill some of these, these spots in the schedule. Maybe that would help FCS programs, but yeah, you're right. The scheduling component to this is going to be wild. I mean, independence uh, programs like BYU, New Mexico State, Liberty, I think Notre Dame is going to be fine with their affiliation with the ACC. They should be okay. But, you know, schools that don't have homes, that don't have conferences, um, they will be fighting and trying to find uh, how, however they can to be made whole as much as possible, whether it's 10, 11, 12 games. So, the phone calls are being made. The emails are being sent out. But um, we'll see how much this can get turned around in a, in a two-, three-week period. The other part, too, is nobody really knows quite yet what the SEC and the Big 12 are going to do, right? I mean, uh, you know, uh, Greg Sankey came out, the SEC commissioner, and Paul Feinbaum this evening and said that they're basically going to exhaust all the time that they have left before the end of the month to make a decision on what they're going to do, whether it's a conference-only schedule or play a full 12-game slate. So I think everybody as well trying to figure out and watch what the SEC and Big 12 are going to do, and then when the dust settles, move on from there and try and 
uh, put something together that looks like a full schedule for the fall. Well, I know you do a midday show. Did you put out a, kind of Jeff's wish list of uh, possible opponents to replace maybe that Oregon game? There's got to be some names that you've already thought of. Well, of course, uh, the the fans uh, immediately emailed in today and said, hey, guys, Alabama's available. They're doing with <laughs> USC got knocked out. And uh, while I, I think that would be certainly interesting, I don't know how much um, intrigue or interest from both programs uh, would would be there for, from Nick Saban to Matt Entz with Alabama and NDSU playing a game, whether it's in Tuscaloosa or whether it's in uh, – at Jerry World in Arlington, uh, who knows? Wish list, you know, I, I think it'd be interesting here locally to see NDSU play Minnesota, to play the Golden Gophers. You know, there's a lot of, um, even though Minnesota's in the Big Ten and NDSU is in the FCS, NDSU recruits the Twin Cities very hard. Uh, and another unique wrinkle has been the, the offseason hype that Trey Lance, North Dakota State's quarterback, has developed here in the last two to three months, and he is a Marshall, Minnesota native. So some of the storylines there would be intriguing, and certainly there would be a lot of bragging rights from, from Bison fans in the Twin Cities with, with Golden Gopher fans in Minneapolis and St. Paul as well. So I think that's an intriguing matchup. Um, you know, an out-of-region out of matchup that would be kind of fun. I think playing one of the – the elite would be interesting playing the Alabamas, playing the Clemsons. It's not going to happen, but uh, to see the best at one division play, you know, some of the best at the the highest division and highest level, I think could have some fun storylines to to discuss leading up to that contest. Well, the Gophers are off the table because the, the Big Tens aren't going to play anybody outside the league. Right. I, I'm trying to play matchmaker here for you. I'm looking. Uh, Craig Bowles, Wyoming okay. Cowboys are supposed to play Utah, so they got an opening. Let's let's ha- let's match up Craig Bowles with his old school. I think that'd be great. Maybe we could do like a like a, a jamboree where you'd have Craig Bowl uh, from at, with Wyoming, Chris Kleiman at Kansas State, and Matt Entz at NDSU. All three of those teams could play. Like a jamboree on a Saturday somewhere, maybe maybe pick out a spot, go. meet in the middle, and play uh, play a you know a, a weekend's worth of contests. Um, but yeah, matchmaker wise, um, you know Oklahoma State's available. Yeah, they had a game with Oregon State on a Thursday night. Now they already have an FCS foe on the schedule in Western Illinois uh, in our conference as well. So I don't know if that's intriguing for them to play play two FCS. Who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the the group of five schools that had games against the Pac-12 and Big Ten, there, there's got to be some options there, right? I mean, MAC schools, yep. uh, Mountain West schools, the travel is concerning. That's one of the things that people are talking about. If you can't bus to, to a location, can you get a game? Um, and unfortunately, you know, we're not nearby a lot of Division One institutions here in Fargo, so... The travel aspect of it could be somewhat challenging as well. But I would think there, there's opportunity out there. And, and this, uh, again, if, if it all goes positively and goes as planned, you're going to see a, a flurry of breaking news here, I think, throughout the month of July and early August as schedules come together. Could be kind of fun. I don't think Craig Bowl would want any part of you guys right now. Would be my guess. I can pro- yeah, I can promise you, Greg, that Craig Bowl and Chris Kleiman, <laughs> the last thing they want to do is play against that DSU. That's that's a hundred percent sure. No doubt about yeah. it.
Jeff Colhane's with us here on Sports Nightly. I want to ask you about the other big news of the day, and that was the the uh, separation with the Washington professional football team with a nickname, the Redskins, which has been with them throughout their entire yeah. uh, their entire existence. Now you're up there in North Dakota, where the University of North Dakota also went through a name change a few years ago. Your thoughts about this, and where does it go from here? I mean, that I doubt this is it. Maybe even in professional sports, this isn't the last one we see of this thing. Well, I think you're you're also going to see the potential of the Cleveland Indians have to have to move on. Terry Francona has been uh, vocal about that and saying that it's time for a change. Um, yeah, here here in North Dakota, uh, the University of North Dakota, they were dubbed the Fighting Sioux, uh, with the, obviously the Sioux Indian tribe in this part of the country and. It, it garnered – it had, there were issues with it, obviously. And um, I can remember even going back to 2005, uh, calling football at the Division II level, there being protests from Native Americans outside of Division II stadiums when UND was in town. So um, the fan base loved it. Uh, the, the tribes did not. And that's why that name got changed. And that happened just about, I believe, five, six, seven years ago or so at the University of North Dakota. The Redskins thing, I, I you know, I would have liked to have seen this happen, Greg, because for for the right reasons. For the you know, the the people that are were offended have been offended by it, the insensitivity towards Native Americans and however they feel. And I, I can't sit here and speak for them obviously, but it's been a discussed topic for a long, long time. This is going down because Nike and FedEx basically told Daniel Snyder, if you don't pull the name, you're not going to get any of our money anymore. And so that's why this is happening. So I think that's a little bit disappointing. Um, From the new name perspective, um, I've seen some of the the names out there. I really don't have a favorite, I guess. But I know one thing is for certain, regardless of any name you pick, you are not going to make – everybody happy so there will be pushback there will be i'm sure outcry or disappointment or whatever and uh, it sounds like that's going to go down here in the next day or so we'll have an an idea of that new name for uh, the 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 former washington redskins so yeah you're right a little bit of a local flair up here um you just you kind of you go through the process you pick the new name and you move on and I think, honestly, in, in this day and age, this probably would be a bigger story if we were in the middle of, of the pandemic. We'd probably be talking about it a ton more. But in the grand scheme of things, uh, the change needed to be made, and um, it, it got made, and I'm, I'm glad they did it. All right. Very good. Um, you, you could be really busy in the next couple of weeks, I think, of this. Now, is that the only – was the Oregon game the only one that was affected on your schedule to this point yeah, so far, but I think I think we're going to see more of that. Uh, the the other two non conference games on the schedule, uh, Drake out of the you know they play in Missouri Valley Conference basketball, but they are a non scholarship football program in the Pioneer Football League, and their conference is spread out from San Diego to upstate New York, down to the Carolinas. That would not seem to be very conducive to keeping people safe traveling across the country to play non-scholarship football games. I would anticipate that game probably has a decent chance of going away if that conference says 
no to football and then a matchup with one of the the great HBCU programs, Greg, in the country, North Carolina A&T, who has won a number of celebration bowls in the last four or five years. Uh, That is an out-of-region game as well. So I think you're seeing a lot of these out-of-region games go by the wayside, and um, I think those are – those are two other games that potentially could leave the schedule here soon. Wow. Just unbelievable. I just still can't believe we're dealing with this. Six months ago, if you had tried to outlay this to me as what was going to happen, I wouldn't believe I thought you would have been crazy. You are crazy, but I would have thought you were even more crazy. I I know. I know. And I, I you know, our days in the, in the Big 12 traveling down to Austin, you got to learn about some of the culture down there and some of the events and I remember when I first started to take this somewhat seriously is when the city of Austin canceled mm-hmm. their South by Southwest festival back yep. in February. And I remember when that happened, Greg, I thought, wow, if that is happening in Austin, Texas, that event brought in right around $360 million to the city of Austin the year prior. When they canceled that, I thought for the first time, that anything is on the table. I, I never believed they'd canceled the NCAA tournament. I thought they would, They would. you know, I first thought there, would be, there was no way they were going to play without fans, and then they whacked the fans, and then less than, obviously, 24 hours later, the tournament was gone. And so uh, the world was changed as far as the sports world was concerned, just like that. This has been a little different. It's felt like more of a, you know, more of a slow death as we've kind of crawled through the summertime and things have not not gotten better. So I think, you know, in the next three weeks to a month, we are uh, certainly going to find out what our fate is for the college football campaign. Yeah, and the Bison were supposed to be a part of that NCAA tournament. They won that Summit League tournament up in Sioux Falls. Jeff, always great to hear your voice. Stay healthy. Uh, We may shout at you again before we get this season going, hopefully, talk about how the Bison filled the gaps in that schedule. That sounds great, my friend. Always good talking to you. Time to give everybody our weekend winners. Ben, what were your, who were your candidates? My candidates for weekend did you, winners. Did you have more than one you were looking at? No, no. Well, it was gonna. I saw a video on on Twitter that was a, uh, it was a a, a a couple of ladies in a car and they pull up to a a pickup basketball game and they had like this like basically homemade PA system and she started calling the game from the their car window. <laughs> Uh, that was pretty awesome. That, I, I also considered to do that one, but my winners are just you know me being able to go spend some time with my cousins and my uncle. Uh, one of them still lives in Wayne. My uncle obviously just moved moved to Omaha, and, and my other cousin who I golf with, you know, in, in a typical summer with no no baby and no COVID, quite a bit. Um, but it was really nice to just you know release your mind a little bit and go hang out with some family and play some really bad golf. So that was that was nice. But you said you birdie the hole all by yourself yeah but there were 17 other holes involved the round consisted of more than just that one hole unfortunately uh i wish i could say they all went that well but they didn't (laughs) all right austin welcome to the program hey thanks good to be here uh so my my winner is uh, someone you guys are very familiar with travis kelsey uh kansas city chiefs tight end he would have been the winner of the week if he would have stopped at giving Patrick Mahomes a wet willy live on TV. <laughs> just funny, just classic, perfect Travis Kelsey move. One of those little things that you can tell those guys get along. If they don't like each other, Mahomes would have hucked a golf ball at his back or something and would have been out for a while. But no, that was all in good fun. And we know Travis Kelsey likes to uh, 
fight for his right to party. He told us as much at the Chief Super Bowl parade, and you know, he's going to have the potential to really fight for the right to party, seeing as he's joined an investment group that's trying to buy the Mets. If there's any team you have to really fight for your right to party with, I think it's the Mets. It's a star-studded <laughs> group. I mean, it's Travis Kelsey, Brian Urlacher's in that, Brad Beal, Mason Plumley, former Browns lineman Joe Thomas. Oh, and two people called Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez. Oh, that's well. the same group because yep. I knew J Lo and A Rod were trying to get that. So they're all together. That's all one big group. Oh yep. my gosh! Can you imagine their owners meeting? Oh my goodness! <laughs> How does Mason Plumley fit in this equation? I mean, all the other names, you know, like that's the most random, obscure NBA player ever to be. That would be like Mark Melanson, right, Greg? Mark Melanson coming in and joining the party. Or, you know, let's think of a random football player. Just like don't a, send like a Jason Seahorn or somebody somebody like that that just is random dude that who, – who doesn't fit here? Mason Plumley, you don't fit. Did he make much money in the NBA? I mean, probably he's made had a couple contracts. I was really? Say slightly above average. Yeah. But this dude isn't – he's not the first guy that I think of. Oh, yeah, that – Oh, that let's dude, get him that to dude needs to go buy a team. Like Patrick Mahomes, that dude needs to go buy a team. Mason Plumley, go buy yourself a new Tesla or something. Yeah, that that is a little little odd. That'd be interesting if J Lo and A Rod win that bid to get the Mets franchise. I'm I'm like Ben, but I'm going golf. I'm going the PGA. Uh, what a terrific playoff between Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas on their on the first playoff hole, Ben. It's a par four. Justin Thomas makes a 50-foot putt for birdie. Woo. So you're like, it's over. Because Morikawa's got like a 26-footer. And you're like, and he drains it. So that, <laughs> after he sits there and watches Justin Thomas make this bomb, Morikawa has the stones to stand up there and drill a 26-foot putt to extend it to another hole. He ended up winning the tournament on the third playoff hole. He is a really impressive young golfer, Colin Morikawa, who missed his first cut about a month ago after making the cut in 22 straight PGA tournaments to start his career. Number two all-time to Tiger, who did it 25 straight before he finally missed a cut. Uh, Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas, that was a lot of fun yesterday. I was going back and forth with that. And the tournament that Austin referenced, that American Century Celebrity Tournament out in in Tahoe that they have every summer, that uh, Mahomes got the wet willy from Travis Kelsey. And I just happened to catch Larry the Cable Guy was playing in that thing. Nice. And he was was on a greenside bunker on number nine or something. Chips it to within a foot. It was a great shot. Larry's over. Larry's overall score wasn't very good, but <laughs> sounds but like that, my round. But on that shot, he had a great bunker shot. By the Why way, I saw an Instagram post of Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend with Mahomes like on the back of a boat, like trying to finagle his way to the back of a boat and jump in the water. Let's stop doing that. You just oh. signed a contract for a half a billion dollars. You're done on the <laughs> boats. Yeah, do not slip and bust a knee up. Tomorrow night, again, we're going to start our position breakdowns. We'll start with the Husker running back position. Ryan Held will join us tomorrow night here on the program. And Top 10 Tuesday, we're going to talk about the top 10 plays of all-time Husker football. Oh, this is going to be fun. We're going to dive into that tomorrow night. Another hour of Sports Sunday coming up here on the other side.